Amen. Thank you very much. Please be seated. The Lord bless you richly in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Um, I have a time schedule, I'm told, that some people have to go back to Lagos. When are they going back? 5.30. So, I should say everything I have to say in one hour or in 30 minutes. And then take your questions and everything. Am I the last session? Okay, so I have up to 5.30 then. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'll try to get everything together. The subject you have given me to, dis- to discuss is very, very deep and is very uh, wide and it has dimensions. That's what I'm saying. And then subsequently, it's very important. Very important. Everybody's important. Uh, I'm not trying to sound alarmist, but it's crucial even to your faith and your ultimate destiny as a child of God. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big subject from scriptures, and then it's a big subject for our days. Uh, I thank God for all the efforts of, of social media that I might make, but I've seen so much come out of social media that destroyed people. Uh, it's on social media that many people get into trouble. I've seen a lot of people, Christians, get into a lot of trouble as they use the social media. I remember during the lockdown, uh, some people attended six services on Sunday. They listen to this one, listen to this one. <laughs> now you'll be confused because those people are saying different things based on their perspective and their understanding. And uh, we've seen people who actually made a shipwreck of their faith on social media. So I thank God for this ministry. If I was asking him that, I might have you come and talk to us in the adult church. Uh, people that have made something out of it. It's, a, it's, a, it's The enemy had his plans, but God has his own plans too. Amen? So going into that place, you must be sure that uh, you are armed with God's plans so that the enemy does not take advantage of you. I want to speak on, to you on grace. And uh, it's a subject I preach, I taught on extensively in the adult church over the years. In fact, in the last few years, I can't remember which year I preached this, I actually majored on it for about two months, every Sunday, trying to explain it, to make it clear, because it's important that you understand it, and in that way, you will really benefit from it. I discovered so many people, so many Christians, they trust in things more than they trust in God. Some trust in the sun, the moon, and the stars, which determine the times and the days. Like, for example, it's Happy New Year. So, they think, oh, because Happy New Year, it will automatically be a new year. Because the, this year is 2024, last year was 2023. So, because of that, things will be new or different. No, it's not really so. But some people do. Some people greet you, happy new, happy new week. I say, what's the meaning of that? In fact, I talk against it in our church and I say, look, greet me, happy new day. For the scripture says, today is the day the Lord has made. God makes days. He doesn't make weeks and months. All those ones are human contraptions to help us start again and give us hope. You know, but what you really need is more than hope. You need faith in Christ. Number two, 
uh, while I'm talking on grace very quickly, uh, many people's faith, because it's based on things and days and weeks and months, is very weak. Very weak. Because your confidence that this year will be new is because it's a new year. <laughs> that kind of faith cannot stand strong for any long time. Especially if you find yourself in a battle. A battle comes to every one of us. Number three, by the, heli- by the help of the Holy Spirit, I intend to return his church to him. The Lord said to me, 2019, I think it was, he said, I want my church back. Uh, we have to return him. We have to return the church back to him. The church has been hijacked by all kinds of human beings and philosophies which really are not grounded in Christ. We have chosen in this ministry to preach a Christocentric gospel. A Christocentric gospel that is based on the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified and the works of Calvary. Like the apostles, Paul the apostle said in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2, I'm determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Until Christ is formed in you. He said, I want to know nothing except Christ in you. And he says, I want Christ to be formed in you. That is the goal of discipleship. Uh, after people are won to Christ, then they must be discipled properly. But today, so many other things are discipling people. It's important that Christ be the one that is formed in them. In the days when principles of the gospel or principles are elevated above the person of Christ. In the days when the knowledge of the Bible is equated with the knowledge of God and prosperity is equated with the knowledge of God even when lives do not point any way in the direction of Christ. Did you get that? I mean, these days, if you quote the Bible, then you know God. But it's not true. You can quote the Bible and you know nothing about God. Uh, some also, for, <laughs> for the knowledge of Christ, they, have, they seem to have the knowledge of Christ, but their lives, when you look closely, their lives actually do not have anything to do with Christ. I want to let you know, every one of you here, that Christ does not have a problem with sin. He already took care of the roots of sin in Christ Jesus. The problem really is unrepentant sin. That's the problem. Unrepentant sin. Uh, we have no chance against sin except by the provisions of Calvary. We choose to preach Christ and him crucified as the savior of the world. This is the crux of our message. We have to preach him and him crucified. The crux of our message is that Jesus died for our sins according to the gospel. Uh, every other thing we add to it, to embellish it and to make it acceptable, we fall. We fall off if the center does not hold. And uh, it's important for us to know that he has delivered us if we believe in him. He doesn't deliver you just because you come to church or because you change your, uh, your uh, association, maybe from one church to the other church, or you listen to this person or you listen to that person or you're a member of a particular association. It doesn't really work that way. What I want to share to you, with you today is that is to help you to believe. Everybody say believe. Then I do hope that if you do believe, 
then you press beyond believing to understand. Um, the problem, however, is this. When you believe, you must do it for you to understand it. That is, you must act on it. Uh, that's in John 7 verse 17. It says you will understand when you do what the word of God says. Uh, many people claim to believe, but they don't do. And what you do is what leads you to the realm of understanding. I pray that the Lord will grant you understanding this morning. And this afternoon, which time are we now? I preach in so many places and sometimes I'm lost. I don't even know where I am. <laughs> An understanding of subject of grace will revolutionize your lives. If you understand it, it will change you. You know, this is the crux of the gospel. Actually, I call grace the power of the gospel. And that's why the devil fights it. And that's why people do all sorts of things. All in the name of grace. Because they don't even understand grace itself. An understanding of the subject will revolutionize your lives and bring you to a totally new level in your relationship with God. You see God in right perspective. The place you begin to understand it is the book of Romans. Now, I did a Bible study many years ago, the whole book. I had Bible study for months. Uh, I called it From Dust to Destiny. It's, it's in the book of Romans you discover grace. And what happened there was that God revealed to us the essence of grace. I cannot uh, say more than that for now. But you see, it changed the world in 1500s. When a man by, by the name of Martin Luther was a Catholic priest, read it, and he came to Romans 3:28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of law. That's what happened to him. He read that. It was a Catholic priest that believed in works. Actually, the teaching of the Catholic is that if you die, you believe in Christ, you not go to heaven or go to hell. You first of all go to a place called purgatory. I don't know where they found it. And if your family, they were trying to build a church then, the same, uh, having St. Peter's Cathedral, then it's a magnificent building, cost billions, of course, to build back then. They said, if your family can give a lot of money towards the building, then you will eventually be promoted from purgatory to heaven. So, once people die, family will begin to contribute money to give to the church. Not only that, if you commit a sin and you are coming to church, you will have to kiss the floor from the ground level. Many steps rise up. If you ever see the picture on where you all go to the internet so you can see, you kiss the floor from the, <laughs> from the floor to the highest level, confessing your sins. Then many times you have to confess to one priest. All sorts of things that, those are the things that were supposed to help you or help you to be delivered. But this man read that man is justified by faith. Now, none of those things actually matters. <laughs> so, he, he formed what you call the Lutheran Church. That was the beginning of what is called in history, church history, reformation. There, which was celebrated about three, five years ago, 500 years of reformation was celebrated a few years back. And um, he, he, he changed the world just by one scripture. That's what I want to see back. 
the, the impact of his teachings based on that scripture on individuals, on governments, literally changed the world. They couldn't kill him. They wanted to kill him. The Catholic Church used to kill heretics, they called them, but they couldn't kill him. I discovered also that every revival, every revival that ever happened was a result of revelation of the grace of God. Because that scripture revealed grace. He also held on to grace. And uh, I said subsequent revivals, like the Baptist Church, like the Methodist Church, like even the Pentecostalism that we are all holding on to now, they always came as a result of people understanding the grace of God. Every awakening has possessed an acute awareness of man's need to forsake independence and acknowledge his dependence on God. Let me repeat that. Every time God wanted to move man from one level to the other, he moved man from the level wherein he stops to depend on himself or his ability and helps or looks up to God for help. That's what always brought revival. Even the Pentecostal revival. When people began to say that, look, <laughs> I want to pray, but I can't even pray as I should. I, 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 want, to, I, I want to heal the sick. I cannot heal the sick. Uh, after I finish praying, I, feel, I still feel there's something more. All of these things drew men closer to God. To God. And I want to say that our age and, de- and generation, we cannot do less if we are going to have a revival in our days. Man must totally and completely depend on the grace of God. We cannot pursue a right relationship with God through human effort. You can't. You can't pursue a right relationship with God through human effort and good works. Both in the initial born again experience and in day-to-day maintenance. Self-reliance, self-dependent attitude still pervades our world today. Even some of our churches put all kinds of stumbling blocks into people's ways as a sign to help them attain. Uh, even religious things. When you say, well, if you don't do, if, if you don't pray, like I used to do a church here in the city of Ibadan, if you want to pray, this, you have to do this one for five minutes. You have to do uh, worship for five minutes, then intercession for 20 minutes, then uh, another one. You know, everything is laid out for you. And you go from step to step to step to get to God. But as a matter of fact, what you need is the grace of God. Amen? Self-reliance, self-dependent attitude still pervades our world. Until we make Christ a dwelling place. We make Christ the center of our devotion. We will continue to have vain worship. That's why I insist on the songs we sing. I say, any song that does not speak about Christ, uh, about him, and what he did for us on the cross, is beginning to go into something else. And the Bible actually calls that vain worship. It has to be Christ, and Christ alone. I will try in the next few minutes to plumb the depth of God's grace as I speak about the spirit of grace. That's a long introduction, but I hope it helps us to get, I've spoken, I've so many things I could say about grace, but I think I will just zero on this, and I want you to please try, keep your mind here. So some, some of you, when I'm looking at you, I'm not sure whether your mind is here or your mind is gone. And uh, I always like people to listen, because if you don't listen attentively, you might not 
uh, get what I'm trying to say. And uh, if you don't get it, in which case you don't understand it, immediately you get out there, the devil will steal it away from your mind. <laughs> no, that's what the Bible says, the parable of the sower. The first group were people that they received the word of God, but the enemy, because they didn't understand it, the enemy took it away from them. And that's very common in church. People listen, they hear, they even know some things, but because they don't understand it, the enemy steals it away. The Lord will not steal, the enemy will not steal this from you in Jesus' name. So let me get with it. My time is well, well spent. <laughs> I'm trying to, be, to rush, but I try not to rush too much so that you get it. So if you, if you don't get something, frown your face. I will see it. And then I, <laughs> then I will try and repeat myself uh, because it's important that you get it. The greatest impediment, the spirit of grace, what I'm talking about. The greatest impediment to a spiritual life, also known as working with God, are idols. The greatest impediment, they are idols. I know the way the world is organized uh, is to make us have idols in our lives. First John 5.21, the great apostle John, before he died, he said, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. That was the last statement he made in 1 John chapter 5. Keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourself from anything that might take the place of God in your heart. What is most important in your life is your heart. The most important thing in a man's life is your heart. And your heart can at best be occupied by God and not any other thing. Anything that occupies your heart other than God is an idol. What are idols? Idols are thoughts, imaginations, things, and people that are more important to you than God. They take over your heart's affection more than God. But God is a jealous God. So things like world pleasures, physical pleasures, your job, your businesses, your friends, your families, your hobbies, pride in your achievements. People talk of their dreams and all those kind of things. Mm. They have the tendency to take away your heart because they can become more important to you than God's presence. Like marriage, it becomes adultery when you are intimate with the world. You become intimate with the world. Now, I know what I'm talking about. It's a battle to keep your heart on God and make God number one, numero uno, and not have God be at the center of your being. So many Christians are caught in adultery. Adulterous relationship. <laughs> Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2, he says, I have espoused you to one husband. So that I can present you as a just virgin to Christ. We are in a marriage relationship. Are you hearing me tonight? We are in a marriage relationship. Where we are called to be the bride of Christ. And God is called to be our husband. So God is your husband. God is my husband. Like in a marriage, you are supposed to be a just virgin. Don't meddle with the world. You don't have intimacy with the world. 
Isaiah 54 verse 5 says, your maker is your husband. This goes back to the Old Testament. That's relationship that God wants us to embrace. Your maker is your husband. You must only live, ladies and gentlemen, through your intimate relationship with God. You live from God. Now, God is a spirit. So, what I'm talking about, what I'm talking about is something that takes place in your heart. In the sanctum of your soul, that is where you live from. That is where the root system is developed. What I'm talking about is something that has to do with your heart. Now, we emphasize the fruit. But I'm emphasizing tonight the roots. Are you hearing me? There's a difference between the root and the fruit. Now, when we look at the fruit, we forget to emphasize the real thing or the real deal, which is the root system. We can only live out of his presence. Abiding in him in intimacy is the root. Abiding in him in your heart is the root. From that intimacy comes the fruit of character, holiness, and blessings. All the blessings that we see outwardly, they take their roots from our intimacy with God, which is where Christianity actually begins. Once you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of grace, dwells in you. And inside you, you have not just your spirit, your human spirit, but you have a union of your spirit and the spirit of grace. Can I repeat that? Inside you, inside me, every child of God, once you give your life to Christ, you have the Holy Spirit come to dwell in you. That Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. It's the spirit of Christ. And that spirit comes into union with your spirit so that inside you, there is one spirit. Everybody say one spirit. It's not just uh, you and God. It's you and God into one. So you become one. The kingdom of God is the realm where the Holy Spirit operates into which men and women enter when they are born from above. The invisible world that God has revealed is more real. It's more lasting. It's more eternal than this world we are now. This is revealed in this world. He wants us to be able to look in into the realm of the spirit and know for a surety that we are members of the kingdom of God. In our hearts, in our consciousness, we are conscious of the fact that we are not just citizens of this world, we are citizens of the kingdom of God and that kingdom is an invisible kingdom. The fact that it's invisible doesn't mean it does not exist. For indeed, you are a member. I'm a member when you are in Christ. Let me read my text. Uh, and I'll spend the next 30 minutes to explain it. If you have a Bible, you can open to it. Uh, if you don't, I'm sure it's a scripture that you can really, really easily uh, allude to. Second Corinthians chapter 13 is just one verse of scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 to 14. I'm going to be quoting many scriptures. You can write them down to go and study these so that you can, by the grace of God, have understanding. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. The last verse of 2 Corinthians, chapter 13. Verse 14 says, 
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. If you are here, can you say amen? amen. If you've gone home, can you say amen? amen. That's, that's to show that you're not listening. <laughs> and I always catch them everywhere. Even in America, I catch them because they are always half here. <laughs> the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the spirit of grace. Philemon 1.25 says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Then Galatians 6.18 says, Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. He's taking that the spirit of grace, which is the one that carries the grace of God, may it be with your spirit. If you read Hebrews 10.29, it speaks about the spirit of grace. And then Zechariah 12, verse 10 in the Old Testament says God is going to give us the spirit of grace and supplication in the days ahead. Let me make a few thoughts. Then I will tell you what grace is available in this spirit. Number one, the spirit of grace is a gift. It's a gift. Unmerited, undeserved, or even ill-deserved. Now, instead of having grace, we should have something else. We should have the opposite. But God gives us the grace. Is is God's answer to the monster that is called sin. God, in an attempt, an attempt to deal with the root of our problem, gave us grace. What is grace? It's an acronym I've coined. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's G riches are A at C Christ's E was E expense. That's grace. The riches of God in his mercy and his grace he gives us this gift. That is the spirit of grace. And so you have the spirit of grace. Everybody say I have the gift of grace. I have the spirit of grace. Believe it and know it for a fact. Number two, by the spirit of grace, we have the mind of Christ. Through faith in the word of God and the oppression of the spirit of grace, we have the mind of Christ. First Corinthians 2.16. It says, the last bit of it says, but we have the mind of Christ. So we have grace. And then because of grace, we now have the spirit the mind of Christ. That is important. The mind of Christ is in your spirit. Your natural mind, my natural mind, my brain and my mind, the brain is is the hardware. The mind is the software. The mind of Christ, which is, you have two minds. Get that. Uh, Someday I will explain that to you. But just believe me, you have two minds. The half of your mind as a Christian is the mind of Christ. That is in your spirit. You have it. Everybody say, I have the mind of Christ. This is important because the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So your mind, which God has given you, is to have the mind of Christ. What does that really mean? It means that you, you can think the way Christ thinks. Are you hearing me? 
You can think the way Christ thinks. And that is the way you are expected to think. But your natural mind will think naturally. Your natural mind will analyze uh, and look at life naturally. And this is the undoing of all of us. The minute you give a life to Christ, you have the mind of Christ. But because you are living in a world that is controlled by the minds, uh, the natural way of thinking, people think, even Christians, think naturally. And I say this is the undoing, and I always put it this way. The greatest assault on the human soul is to, the, the human soul of a Christian, is to think naturally when you have the mind of Christ. We have materialistic values. We look at people after the outward appearance. When you want to analyze somebody, look at the way he dresses, look at what he's doing, look at what job do you do, look at his car and all those things. But <laughs> Paul said we do not know anybody after the flesh anymore. We don't look at men and women. You must think the way God thinks. We are made for the higher worlds. Don't accept the thinking of this world as ultimate. The doctor tells you this disease, it will kill you. That's the way natural people will think. But if you want to think the way God thinks, you begin to think of the miraculous possibilities. Amen? You begin to look at the miraculous possibilities. You begin to think the way God thinks. You think supernaturally like Christ. You assess things like Christ. If there is a gap between you and uh, something you want to achieve, maybe like water, you walk on water. Amen? If you want to feed 5,000 people and you have only five loaves and two fishes, how do you think? You think of multiplying it. Amen? That is where Christianity begins. That is where the spirit of grace begins to operate. It works miraculously. Multiplying loaves of bread. It was a new philosophy that Jesus brought. Because every situation that came before him, he solved it. To think from this world is a great calamity on the human soul. Are you hearing me? I say, are you hearing me? Are you understanding me? Small by small, I know. You might be lost, but you'll be okay. <laughs> just follow me. Uh, just keep your mind here. Uh, everything will match up together. You must have what I call a transformed mind. A transformed mind is promised to those who receive the word of God and the word of God becomes a living reality in them to the point that the word by the spirit transforms them. Be ye transformed. The Bible says in Romans 12 verse 2. Be ye transformed by the how? The renewing of your mind. I'll be teaching the Bible study series this year. Actually, starting from next week. Every Wednesday, I'll be teaching on the renewed mind. There's power in a renewed mind. What's a renewed mind? A renewed mind is a mind that thinks like God thinks. Like God thinks. You begin to see life like that. 
you begin to see hope when it's hopeless out there. You begin to see life where there is death. This is the beginning of the operation of the spirit of grace because it begins to build into your consciousness to think the way God thinks. When men say there is casting down, you will say there is lifting up. Amen? When they say there's nothing anybody can do, remind them there's a God in heaven who can turn things around. When they say there's no hope for you, tell them there is hope in Christ Jesus. That is where it all begins. And I want you to understand this. What happens is that you come into union with Christ. Now, coming to union with Christ is not just something that somebody is thinking. It's actual. It's real. It's real. Are you hearing me? The spirit of Christ, the spirit of grace dwells in you in real time. In real time. As I'm speaking right now, the spirit of Christ is in you. That spirit of grace is in you. And that spirit can influence your soul in a way that you can think the way God thinks. That's what I'm saying. The union brings the possibility of your identification with Christ. You identify with Christ. Complete identification bound by the strongest bond possible. I say you become one spirit. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. This makes available the grace of God through faith. As our mind is renewed to the mind of Christ, as we begin to look at life from the mind of Christ. Amen? Now, it's not far-fetched. You might think, oh, it's for very religious people. No, it's only for serious people. People that are ready to have a new life, a new year. So that this year is not like last year. If you continue to think the way you were thinking last year, guess what? This year will not be new. You can have everybody prophesy over your head. If you don't stop thinking the way you are thinking that got you into trouble, you will continue to be in that trouble and you never get out until you change your thinking because the renewal of the mind is what brings transformation. Hallelujah. We are Christians. Christians means Christ-like. It means Christ man. It means influenced by the spirit of grace. That spirit has come into you and he wants to walk in you. Philippians 2.13 says God is walking in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The spirit of God is walking. Everybody say the spirit of God. The spirit of grace is working in me. Talk to me. Talk like young people. Don't talk like old people. <laughs> the spirit of grace is working in me. I remind myself that the spirit of grace is working in me. Now that's a fact. That's a fact. So what is available in the spirit of grace? Number one, and I will tell you the grace it imparts. What is the spirit of grace? It's a divine influence upon your heart. Then the reflection of this in your life. I call it divine empowerment to live a holy life. Divine empowerment. The spirit of God comes into you and empowers you divinely. 
His power working us. When we meet situations bigger than us, stronger than us, the power of God working in the human soul is the operation of the spirit of grace. Then you begin to see it in the person's life. What you could not do, but because you are strengthened with might by your by spirit in the inner man, you are able to do. Some things you cannot do by yourself, but because of the spirit of grace that comes into you, it begins to it begins to make what is inaccessible accessible to you. Romans five verse one to two. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says, by whom also, that is our Lord Jesus Christ, we have access by faith into this grace. We have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. It's important for you to say this, please. Everything starts with the spirit of grace. Then by faith, this spirit of grace gives you access into all the blessings that God has for you. Prayers gives God the opportunity to walk in our hearts. So this spirit of grace works as we pray. That's why prayer is very, very useful. That's why we are pressing on to pray a little bit more. In the process, the spirit of grace is able to influence your heart. Begins to influence you from inside. As you pray, especially in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Grace begins to have access and begins to make it possible for that grace to begin to show in your life. I tell people, uh, starting Stone Church in 1993, that's about 30 years ago, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to turn to. I'm a trained architect, uh, practiced for so many years. I didn't know how to start a church. And I couldn't find a manual how to start a church in Nigeria. The church I was in, they didn't want me to leave because I was a very useful member of the church. I, brought, I wasn't a pastor or anything. I was just a, a very serious member. I was a businessman, a, a professional man. And so when I was going to leave the church, I had so many obstacles. I didn't know where to turn to. I didn't know where to go. I couldn't find any book that would help me. And I didn't have, many of my friends that were in the same church, they moved back because they thought, uh-huh. so that's what, that was your plan. You wanted to start a church. That's why you came, so that you can take our people, you know, hostilities. So what could I do? I turned to God in prayer. Then I began to pray. Pa, 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 pa. I would spend hours, sometimes days in prayer. I said, what is the mind of Christ? How do I go about this? Who do I call? Who do I talk to? I couldn't talk to anybody. Nobody, everybody suddenly became hostile. Even family members that should have supported and helped me. They said, why don't you stay in your job? Why are you going to go? <laughs> and then it was the days when people say, oh, they are going to ministry because of money. I said, well, if it's money, I'm a very successful architect. I could just stay and make money. I don't need church to make money. There's no money in the church anyway. Any church that is actually doing the work will not have money. <laughs> you know. Because in the midst of that prayer, I got a book written by Yonggi Cho. Prayer Key to Revival. I'm talking about the important aspect of prayer in releasing the gift of, I mean, the, the spirit of grace. That book helped me because I saw that if you pray a lot, you might be able to know exactly what God is thinking. So I continued to pray. 
And then one day, I called one of my converts, one young lady. I said, come with me. Let us go and pray. I want to start a church. I mean, I couldn't talk to anybody except my own convert, personal convert. So when they're encouraging you to have your own convert, it's good for you. You might need them one day. <laughs> I mean, the person you spoke to and received Christ and their life changed. She was thrown out of her home because she had a baby out of wedlock. She was, uh, I wouldn't know whether she was raped. She got pregnant in UI and the father said, that is the end of your life. She read economics eventually and I said, don't worry, there's life. Even in pregnancy. So I called, I said, come. My office was on the ninth floor. Some of you probably have heard this story. My office was on the ninth floor and um, my, of- my office was on the ninth floor. She was on the fifth floor in a J house in Dubai. I look, at, I look back at those days, I said, there is no way I could have done what I'm doing without the spirit of grace. Uh, you might think I speak well, but the truth is this. It was when I began to preach that I began to speak well. I was born a stammerer. Have you ever seen a stammerer before? I remember I was healed of stammering here, last convention. Yeah. If you see a stammerer, you know the, my condition. That I'm speaking like this is the operation of the spirit of grace. Are you hearing me? It's God though. But you see, it comes with a lot of prayer. You and God alone, not church meeting, not church prayer. You and <laughs> Walk with God. So I called her and I said, oh yeah, let's go. I want to start a church. So I took her to the venue I wanted to use that somebody gave me. And um, I said, yeah, let's begin to pray. I will pray for three hours. The guest said, she said, I'm going to die today. <laughs> she now lives in the U.S. Uh, I took her, after the prayer, I took her to her father's house. Then I come back. The next day, Tony, let's go. Three hours. He said, every time she hears my voice, she'll be afraid. <laughs> because she knew that another three hours. No, nothing less. Then I looked around. One of the young men around that was close to me, he's now just in the U.S. too. I said, okay, you. I'm starting a church. He knows about music and all that. So I said, yeah, you come. So he joined us, three of us. Three hours. The boy also almost collapsed. The spirit of grace. And then we said, okay, let's have an all-night prayer meeting. The guy had the girlfriend. Uh, no, she's from somewhere. I don't know, Aqua or something. And uh, this girl and myself, then they brought one or two other friends. And we prayed until daybreak like this. It was dark. And then we didn't stop praying. And I won't allow them to sleep. <laughs> until daybreak like this. That first meeting, when it was about 4 a.m., I mean, full blast to pa, pa, ra, pa. If your pastor is telling you to lift up your voice, better lift up your voice. We are praying, pa, 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 la, pa, 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 sa, pa, pa, If you rest, I'll look at you like this. You stand up again. Pa, pa, pa. <laughs> then I said, okay, at 4 a.m., I said, now let's, let's thank him for blessing us, thank him for coming amongst us. Everybody fell on the floor. Everybody except myself. I said, aha, God is in this place. When they stood up, all of them agreed, we shall repeat this again next Friday. That was how we began the church. You are conscious. (laughs) You are conscious of the fact that God dwells in you. And that by praying, he can impart to you what you don't have. 
Amen? That is grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's influence over the human soul. So that that influence comes out and everybody can see it. And it's available to everybody. If only you will learn to pray. The next thing I want to say before I begin to close is that the spirit of grace not only dwells in us to impact the grace of Christ, it teaches us. Teaches us. Titus 2, verse 11 to 13. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. Verse 12 says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Verse 13 says, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. I want to see that he teaches us. Everybody say the Spirit teaches us. That's your ultimate teacher. And what he teaches you is that you should live a good life, a holy life. That's what the Spirit teaches you. Anything that teaches you otherwise is not the Spirit of grace. It's another Spirit altogether. He says you must deny ungodliness. You should reprove it. You should totally uh, reprimand it. You should, you, should not, you should not play with it. Because anybody that knows anything about God, you must know that he's a holy God. He's thrice holy. He's not holy, he's small, small. He's thrice holy. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. That is, if you, if you enter the university, there is a course, the course course 101. Or even course 100. <laughs> that is the beginning of the operations of God. Holiness. You must, you must deny it. You don't live in an unholy relationship. You don't do business with and make money in a stupid way. You must live a holy life looking for that blessed hope. You are looking for Christ to come. You cannot be living just anyhow. Then you should live soberly, righteously. Soberly means seriously. You know, if somebody is drunk, they say he's drunk. When, when the alcohol leaves from his face, they say he's sober. <laughs> you live soberly. That is, you are not drunk. <laughs> that's what it means to believe soberly now righteously and godly I tell people that I'm very serious I don't play even when I'm playing I'm serious it's because of this kind of scripture that's what the Holy Spirit teaches us whatever thing we bring into the church that takes away soberly soberliness is wrong it's not of the spirit of grace whatever we bring to the pulpit that gives people license to live anyhow and to make stupid jokes it's wrong. It's not the spirit of Christ. They say you must live righteously and godly. It's important for us to know this because these days people have all kinds of teachings uh, that promotes arrogance, that promotes being self-conceited. I am this, I am that. All those kind of teachings, it's not from the spirit of grace. If you have the spirit of grace, you say, mm, Something is wrong here. 
Because the Bible says it teaches us. Amen? I said amen? All right. So let me close by just quoting one more scripture. Um, I don't know if you sing this hymn in this church. It gives more grace. It's a hymn. And give it, and give it more grace. I can go him. This world has no measure. Okay, you know it, okay? Maybe it's old school. Maybe some of us are old school. He said, do you sing hymns? I will not want to charge him. See me back. I'm not a bullobo. Anyway, um, I don't know. Well, Google. See if you can find it. I'd like to also sing that hymn because God gives grace. That's what that hymn is saying. It was at the heart of the Welsh revival. When God visited Wales and 100,000 people got saved, and he was talking about grace being given. I, I, I want us to receive grace. Amen? Receive grace because you have it. Now open up your nature and allow the grace to function. You see what God can do in your life. Isaiah 11 verse 1 to 5 speaks about uh, how what actually is inside the spirit of grace and what's available by this spirit of grace. I don't have time. I could have spent the whole evening actually talking about each of them. But I'll just read it to you and then you do your studies. It will help our pastor will break it down for you when next you come to church. I said, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. He said, and the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of grace, the spirit of Christ shall rest upon him. What are the, what are the things that it comprises? Speaking about the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding. These are the things that happen uh, when you have the spirit of grace. Because here you see uh, spirit of wisdom, understanding, spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge of the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes. Neither reprove after the hearing of the ears, that is not thing from this realm. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the make of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. So you see, all the spirit of God contains all of these. And I just close with this thought. As a Christian, you have been given a spirit or you have a spirit that makes it possible for you to live supernaturally. Him that we have this year's dominion, to, to have dominion. It's not a question of how big you are, rich you are, how intelligent you are. No, it is how much God can empower you. All that he has is available to you. All of God's riches are available. All of God's riches in Christ are available by the Spirit of Christ. Our sufficiency is in him alone. And we can do all things through Christ. This kind of, this kind of scripture begins to make some sense. I can do all things through Christ. 
I can do all things. Now, that's not just some nice, cute statement that we can quote, but that we can live. There are people that have many ways to know God. One of them is to observe. Just observe the sun, the moon, the stars, and the creation. You say, wow, that's a God. That's the knowledge of God. Then you can know God by reading the Bible. At least you can know of him by reading the Bible, which is great, which is wonderful. But ladies and gentlemen, the ultimate way to know God is by experience. Take what you read in the Bible and begin to do it. Then you experience God. He can lift up the poor from the dust. The Bible says, he can lift up the needy from the dunghill. You can draw on the power that made heaven and earth. Amen? No matter what your, your background, doesn't matter. What people, your parents think, your lecturers think, doesn't matter. When you come to Christ, you change parents, parents and you come into a family, a family that functions by grace. Grace undertakes for us where we are weak. So we can do all things. How? Through Christ. The word Christ there is the anointing. And it's available to every one of us. He, strengthened us. he strengthens us in our spirit. In our inner man. Without him, we are nothing. But by him, guess what? I don't, I don't underrate any Christian. No. You don't, if you understand, underrate a Christian, then you don't understand grace. And you don't know that every person has grace. Some people think only some people that have grace. Maybe pastors. Ah, he has grace. No, everybody has grace. Are you hearing me? Don't let anybody tell you that you don't have grace. Of course you do. I know people that finish with third class in the university and they are more successful than people that finish with first class. In fact, I know people that didn't go to school at all. <laughs> but they started business, started to do some buying and selling. I know a particular man, he sells umbrellas. That's where I started from. I know a man who started by selling bicycle. Somebody gave him a bicycle, he sold it. He saw that he made money. Okay, he bought two more. Then he sold it. And made, ah. Then he began to sell bicycles. Then eventually he started a fishery. He began to sell fish. Then he began to make fish fingers. And then became very, very rich. He didn't go to school. Some people say, because I, I didn't, I graduated from uh, Ladoke, Akintola University, that's why. No, it's not. It's because you refuse to tap into the grace of God. Are you hearing me? Nobody has the right to fail. You hear what I said? Nobody, none of us. <laughs> he can strengthen you in the, in the inner man. Walk with God. Find time for God. Tap into the root system that God has provided. He is provided for everyone. Without him, we are nothing. But by him, we can do valiantly as he lives inside of us. And then he lives through us. This is the mystery of the power of the gospel. This is what the world, the devil too doesn't know it. Or he didn't know it, yeah? <laughs> by the time he crucified Jesus. He didn't know that by crucifying Jesus, that through him, there'll be more Jesus is pronounced or produced. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians 3, verse 5 says, Now that not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Second Corinthians 9, verse 8 says, And God 
is able to make all grace abound towards you. It's able to make all grace. How much grace? All grace. That's what you need. He will supply. It's already in you. Can abound towards you. That you, me, every one of us, always having all sufficiency in all things. Wow. Superlatives may abound to what? To every good work. That's the way I read my Bible. Read every word and read it slowly. You get the riches of his word. When you think like this, then you are a world overcomer. You can beat the world. When you think like this, that God is able to make all grace. Grace is what I need. He's able to make it available. That I now have all sufficiency in all things. I abide unto every good work. I don't want you to allow anybody to derail you if you can read. read. Open your Bible and read it. Believe everything. That's one of my decisions as a young man. I say, Lord, anything I read in this book, even though I don't understand it, I will believe it. Amen? I will believe it, even though I don't understand. They can come to pastor and say, pastor, please explain this. But you must believe it. When you believe, <laughs> things can happen. What your parents could not do for you, God can do it. What Nigeria does not provide, God can make it available for your sake. He can change anything, but you must work with him. Amen? Amen. Uh, Rush through it. I hope you got the essence of it. Uh, I want you to, I don't know if you have any questions, because I know that, uh, like uh, the man that just finished, Nigerians don't ask questions. And I think in most cases they don't understand. That's why. Because if you understand, you ask questions. <laughs> if you understand. Uh, I, I try to, Good question. I, I like to ask questions. If I was going to be a journalist, I would be asking questions. And they would probably put me in jail for asking questions <laughs> because I'd be asking very hard questions. I wonder if anybody has any questions. Uh, okay. Oh, somebody has a question. That's good. I thought the adults, they don't ask questions. I have to, I have to ask the question. Then they would not have <laughs> asking questions. Okay, let me hear you. Maybe by the time you are through, some other people will wake up from Yes, please. Some of you cannot speak very good English, so you can write it. So I don't shoot us with a bazooka. <laughs> yes, please. The microphone is not working. No, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I'm good. When I lead prayer meeting, I can be on my feet for six hours. Sound. So Maybe, sir. Yes, please. Um, so my question is concerning the notion of one saved the rest saved. And so why does he think so? Is it because I of grace? Because or you had a teaching? Being a Christian takes harm. You have to put in effort. And he didn't want to put in that effort. Okay, just wants to, I mean, just one scripture just and that's all. That's just his own destination. Go to heaven. Want to help? 
people go there. Whatever you receive that does not allow you to live a holy life is not the right spirit because it's not, it's going, to end, it's not going to end well. It's going to end in a disaster. So, there's nothing like that. It, it has no basis. One scripture is not enough. You must read the whole scripture and have the sense and the essence of the spirit of God. I think one of the scriptures they use is um, uh, my father that I've committed, John chapter 10, uh, my father that that you have committed yourself to, nobody can pluck you out of his hands. That's what they say. I say, but you can pluck yourself out by living a stupid life. You say, you're my son, you're my son. And you're living, and I say, don't live that way. And you say, I'm going to live that way. They're not serious. Many people are not serious. That's just the problem. And I say, the road to heaven is a narrow road. So majority will not follow that road. So when you say a lot of people watch it because the road to heaven or let me say the gospel of Jesus Christ the gospel of the grace of the Lord through Christ is doesn't have a mass appeal there are times that even Jesus they left him they say we can't listen to what you are saying so uh, don't be too surprised when you see all these kind of things uh, what you can do as a guide is read your bible and then sometimes it will help you not to listen to some things that they don't come out there because some things when you hear them there are some eloquent speakers by the time they finish speaking they can convince you you didn't plan that's why like my brother was saying if you want to win a, a, a drinker a drunkard and you go to the beer parlor and so you want to win them you are not strong you end up drinking you know? <laughs> so where you are going to listen, don't listen to everything. Don't go about listening to too many. What you are hearing is good enough for you. Keeps you on the path of truth and righteousness. And soberly, you must be sober. You must be serious-minded. In that way, you will walk the narrow path. And you end up in the destination that you want. Amen? I helped a little bit. Your friend is not serious. I think you should stop calling him your friend. Don't make him your friend. Don't talk to him again. I'm serious. You can't win him. The one people choose not to be serious. My own friends are very serious people. You have to be very serious for you to be my friend. If you are not serious, you can't be my friend. Once I say that you're not, I look for people that are serious. One of the sources of strength is fellowship. Fellowship with people that are of like mind, who help you, who challenge you, who inspire you. Say you're my friend and you say, I can live anyhow. I won't be your friend. Though. Before I begin to, a dog that walks with, uh, how do they say it? <laughs> a dog that, a, a sheep that walks with dog, we eat sheep. Because... ...went speaker... Oh, very influential voice. Then people think, oh, because it's coming from there, it must be right. Ultimate bar is Christ himself. That's the bar that we all come to. Have you found it? You found it? John chapter 10. Where it says, my father that, uh, that took you is the one that uh, don't have time. Somebody looking for me, but let's take another question. Look out for me for me. 
It's not this one. No, not this one. It says. It's, it says 28. Uh-huh. Like this, I say, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Good. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, doesn't this suggest that you can pluck yourself out? Nobody can pluck you out of God's hand. But you that you gave yourself to God, you can pluck yourself out, can't you? By living in a silly way. By living like a bastard. That this is not your father. Your father doesn't like sin. Now you say, I've given my life to you. You are now my father. But I'm not going to live like your son. I will live like the world where I'm coming from. Are you not plucking yourself out? This one says, what do we say about this? And this is, is a believer that is, he has confessed Jesus. He prays, he reads the Bible, but he lives in immorality. What I mean is, he calls this meditation. Uh, he should renew his mind and should come for deliverance. Yes. If you read your Bible, but you don't do what's in the Bible. Jesus said, you are my sheep if you obey my voice. Not my sheep if you don't obey my voice. Uh, when you continuously live in sin, you deny the blood of Jesus that redeemed you. And um, I'm surprised that you're not even saved in the first place. Uh, I think a lot of things depend on the kind of background people have in the faith. Even sinners, unbelievers, they know that a Christian should not live in sin. He said, ah, she may say you are a Christian. Abi, what does God think? If sinners think like that, you think God will not say, ah, no, it's my son. Let him continue to live in sin. He doesn't add up. <laughs> Am I right? Have you had Christians say, and he says, I mean, have you had sinners say, and he says he's a Christian? Haven't you had that? You people at the back there, have you had that before? Huh? Those of you at the back. Have you ever heard somebody say, oh, and he says he's a Christian. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. So, um, I just want to make sure that it's very clear. So the Bible says that the gifts of God are without repentance. And you told us earlier that grace is a gift. That is, God gave it to us. So if God has given it to us, that means it cannot go away. So... He has given you life. Will that life live sometime? Will it ever live? Like normal life. Life. Yes. The life that you live. Yes. That's the ultimate. Yes. Can it live? Yes. What happens? You die. Abby? Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> have to do 
to fall. Like now, if I'm trying to like watch myself, like okay, I don't want to fall from grace. Like no, 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 no. What no. do I have to do to the ex? Like what? What's the? I don't know how to put it, but like the do, worst thing that I can do. No, do do grace. what the word says, and that way you can never fall from grace. But sir, you know, once in a while, some people might fall into temptation. Even you can forgive, you can ask for forgiveness, and you'll be wrong. Okay, sir. There's room for forgiveness. There's room for repentance. But you know, sometimes this way repentance is difficult. You don't enter into temptation. He didn't say pray so that you don't fall into temptation. Pray that you don't enter. You know what it means to enter? With your eyes open. You don't do it again. But HIV is not going to go away. Thank you, sir. Yes. Um, thank you, sir, for the um, message. So my question goes to, I think we had one of these sessions, was it? It was clear. You know, my wife worked together in school, gossip about the same time. She used to perm her hair. I don't think they do perming anymore. But when she got to fellowship and the sisters were looking at her, they called her to one and said, You have to change this hair. You can't continue like this. <laughs> she, 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 thought, she came to me and said, This is I said, Well, this is the life we have taken. Since then she prayed one prayer. She said she will stop perming it. But if you stop perming your hair, it will fall off. She said God should help her that the hair will not fall off, even though she didn't perm it. And that's what happened. God did a miracle. The hair didn't fall off, even though she was not perming. Some things, if you are serious, God will help you. But if you are not serious, now somebody say, is it, is it important to perm? It's not in the Bible whether you perm or not. But if your testimony becomes something that is hurting other people, Paul says, Anything that you eat, just food, and it's hurting people, don't eat it. <laughs> you know? So, Christianity is a lot more serious than many people take it. That's why we're asking all these funny questions. And the devil is exploiting it. In the adult church, I have a running battle with watching stupid films, Nollywood. And then, when I start talking like this, they will shake their head like this, and I fire them. I fire them. <laughs> I fire them. I fight against many things because that is where the devil steals in, small by small. Even the devil does not come dressed black, black, black and red uh, walking stick, red hat and black shoe. He doesn't do that. He wears white as an angel of light. It's not. It's okay. Just one round. Somebody was telling me just one round, and I'll get fifty thousand. One round. I said, that one round will be one round too many <laughs> when the consequences come. Yes, yes. That appears to be the hot button here. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, please go ahead. And um, you said that you said a renewed mind. Yes. Or a transformed mind is a mind that thinks like God. So yes. I just wanted to ask. How do you do that? Yes, like what step do you take to have like a Come renewed to Bible mind? Study. It's, it's, it's a process, but at the end, the Bible says you'll be transformed. Understand? So whatever you do that helps you to be transformed is a process. Um, try and come to Bible study, or maybe get the CD after I finish preaching. And you are serious. Because if you are not serious, you can't renew your mind. I will tell you what you can do in 21 days. At the end of 21 days, you have a renewed mind. But you must complete 21 days. If you do three days, four days, what they have discovered is that, the psychologists have discovered is that anything you do, you say you want to do something. If you can do it for three days consecutively, at the end of the third day, you discover, you determine whether you want to continue. If you continue after the third day, then you will get to the end. If you get to the end, I mean, after three days, if you stop, you will not have developed the habit. But if you do it to the end of 21 days, you have a habit. And if, if you can develop it to be a habit, you, have, you do that thing forever. One of the things you try to do in Christianity is develop a habit. That's why they tell you, read your Bible, pray every day, read your Bible, pray. That is the way to develop a habit. There comes a time that it becomes a holy habit. That's how the devil works with all of us. He will get you to do it for more than 21 days. They say, I can't stop. I can't stop. Because it has become a habit. It has become what they call baraku. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Quickly. We should do something with this your sound. Hello, okay. Using Psalm 51, verse 11 as a reference, Same can the Holy Spirit leave the believer? If not, when believers live in sin, how does the Holy Spirit react based on the scriptures? See, people just quote scripture. That's the Psalm of David when he went into Beersheba, Bathsheba. And he was saying, take not your Holy Spirit from me. He said earlier, in sin was I born, and in sin was I conceived. Now, you remember that was an Old Testament man. When you fall into sin, the Holy Spirit does not leave. Does cause you fall into sin. I said it actually in my message. I said, what the problem is, is when you refuse to repent. Unrepentant sin. You know what it does? He now withdraws. Operational. It's like you don't have it. Those people does not leave people. It says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So in the New Testament, it doesn't leave you nor forsake you, but it can withdraw. I'm not talking about God manifesting himself. It's for you to experience him. It's for you to see him manifest. If he doesn't manifest, it's as good as it's not there. Eh? It's as good as it's not there. And that's why many, many people are uh, they do they do without the grace that they will have had because the Holy Spirit has been beaten to a corner. Many years ago I saw a vision, I was preaching, I think it was in this hall. 
And then that, that corner, I saw the Holy Spirit. I, I, I just knew that it was the Holy Spirit. But it was like somebody who had been beaten in the rain and was just in one corner. And this was a church service full of people. So the Holy Spirit can be driven to a corner by our lifestyle. It's not that he has left you, but he has withdrawn. And I said, what was the meaning of that? The Lord said, that is, I'm just looking at you. I said, eh, you're looking at me. Don't look at me, oh. Please. <laughs> in many lives, the Holy Spirit is just there looking at you. Yes? Okay, so this is a three-in-one question. The first one is, is there a point in the Christian journey where one masters sin and is now above sin forever? That's always in sin. No, 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 no. You have mastered sin. Like, you are above sin forever. You can't sin anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Be perfect. Now, let me say this. You can get to a point in which you can master a particular sin. For example, if you are, like, you are living for negation, you, you should be able to master that. But um, sometimes, uh, people like us, maybe abuse somebody. I didn't plan to abuse them, but they annoy me so much. I abuse them. I say, oh, sorry, Lord. I shouldn't abuse people. You understand that kind of thing? So for those ones, you might find a running battle with it. But the basic thing is that sin shall have no dominion over you. That's what the Bible says. What does that mean? It means that even when you fall into it, you don't allow him to master you. You quickly run to the Lord for help. So the second one says, why is it that even matured Christians still get tempted? I thought temptation is for immature Christians. No. Temptation is not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. Believe me when I say that. And the devil, you know, not the devil does something. Okay, let me tell you some of my own experiences. When I was uh, struggling not to go to parties, after a long time, and I went again, they will say, you see, you have come back. Google continue. After all, you have done it again. That is a lie. Because I break the rule once, does not mean I should continue. It only says to me that, no, 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 no. Stop. And I weep bitterly. I weep bitterly. I weep before the Lord. I say, Lord, please, please help me. I don't want to do this thing again. Now I don't go to places that I know will lead me to sin. I go, I go to places to honor people. And when I get there and the Holy Spirit leaves, I live with him. No matter who you are. <laughs> For some places you go, the Holy Spirit is not here. You want to win souls, so, but you know the Holy Spirit has left. Better leave. The one that will help you to win the soul has left. <laughs> yes. In a situation where a mature Christian falls into temptation, what does it mean? Temptation it God... to sin. Well, maybe I sinned. Well, I think it's sin is talking about. Yeah. So what does it mean? Is it God revealing some excesses in the life of that individual, or carelessness on the part of the individual? No, uh, it can be carelessness. There can be an attack from Satan. Devil attacks people, and sometimes they love sowing and reaping. Those three things. Open the door to the devil. If you are careless, or if the devil attacks you, or you have sown something, then you reap it. That's why I say just take one, just do one nice stand. That is it. It's going to germinate. I hope I've helped. Yes, oh, yeah, sir. Yeah, one more. So uh, I think this is going to be the last one. So if anybody has any more questions, you can send it to 
our email is going to be displayed on the screen right now. Thank you, everybody. So this is the last one. Sir, can you please explain blasphemy as regarding this scripture? Matthew chapter 3, verse 28 to 30. What does it say? What does it say? Blasphemy? Matthew chapter 3, verse 28 to 30. Against the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say this about that. Very few people can get there. Not just you that you are still struggling with your salvation. <laughs> the sin against the Holy Spirit is when people begin to attribute to the devil what God is actually doing. That is when people say, okay, you sin against the Holy Spirit. But very, very few people actually get there. And then some people who have worked with God up to a point, they know God, they know the Spirit, they know Him so well. And then they now turn around and begin to blaspheme against Him. These are the people that will not have forgiveness. Uh, and I say very few people have gotten to that level. Most people don't know God at all. You know, I can be speaking in tongues, so. I say, if you know anything about God, you know that is a holy God. That is, and it's, <laughs> that's what makes him to be God. That's one thing the devil does not have. He can't have it, lie, lie. So, if you get to that level, that you know him that way, it's not likely that you will blaspheme against him. But if you now do, that is where you now get into trouble. Now, I don't think you really need to bother about that. Most of you don't even know God, self. You don't know where it comes from. <laughs> so, you are not likely to get there. Don't bother about that. Bother about the small, small ones that you are struggling with. And uh, if you are serious, God will help you. He will help you. I, I've been there severally, and I know that God helps those who really come to him and say, Lord, help me. It doesn't take much. It just takes a penitent heart. That's why that song will have been useful. He giveth, he giveth more grace. I think that is the look for he giveth more grace. Somebody has found it. Uh-huh. Please bring it. Let me read it. Just read it out. Sorry. I know my time is up. And I know Lagos people should be on their way. He giveth more grace. When the burdens grow greater, he sendeth more strength. When the labors increase, his, his love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power, no boundary known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth, giveth, and giveth again. Thank you very much. Put your hands together for our brother. I know your face somewhere. Uh-huh. I know his face. So I hope I'm able to help a little bit. But let me tell you, to work with God. That's what I do. I'm not perfect. Uh, certainly, I'm not coming from the place of being perfect. But I'm not where I used to be. Because I choose to work with him. I'm always striving to please him. He's in trying to, start, to please him that I started the church. I know he loves soul winning. So I said, okay, I win souls. So I began to win souls. And I saw that, okay, most of the souls I'm winning, they don't even understand their Bible, they read it, they don't, and I have some understanding. So I began to teach them. And as I began to teach them, I was winning more souls. And I saw I was happy. So I said, okay, I'm going to start the church. I didn't hear a voice. 
No voice said to me, my son, my son, I've called you. You are the only one I'm depending on. I didn't hear that. Some people had that. Me, I didn't hear anything. I didn't have a Damascus road experience like Paul. I didn't have a burning bush experience like Moses. But I had an experience inside me because I do love him. And I always say to our people, haven't seen his face. I don't want to see his back. You know what that means? Haven't seen his face. I've seen the face of God. That is, I've seen his goodness. I don't want him to turn his back on me. So that's what guides me. And because of that, he teaches me the Bible. He heals my sick. And he uses me to help people. That's all. You become a mighty, they call you a big man. People call me a big man. I say I'm not a big man anything. And you too can become what I am. If what I am is a big man, you too can become a big man. Because I'm just a regular guy. Very regular. Nothing special about me. Trust me when I say that. Believe me when I say it. Yes, sir. So you can be like me. <laughs> sir, please, this very last one. This person is really on our Lagos, name. It's Lagos people that it's I'm sorry for. I can continue. <laughs> okay, go on quickly. So he says, if a person has given their life to Christ, but continues to sin and then dies, what happens to the person? Do they go to heaven <laughs> or grace covers them? Ah, oh, your hello. So, before you die, give your life, I mean, repent. If you are in an accident and you are saying, like when I was shot, I was shot inside this hall about 20 years ago. I was losing blood. Nobody could pick me. I was losing blood. I thought I was going to die. I quickly repented. I said, Lord, if there is anything now that I'm about to die, I, it was in my office. I mean, some of you, most of you are not here then. You are not even born, some of you. I'm saying that if you have any situation that you might die, quickly repent. But the devil will not allow you to remember if you are a sinner, you are a serious sinner, a chronic one. He will not allow you. You'll be talking about doctor. Be, you are one guy looking for doctor, just pay me. May you not pay me in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Everybody, let's say thank you, Pastor. We love you, sir. Thank you, Baba. We love you, sir. Hallelujah. All right. So while we are still standing, um, let's in one minute, let's just thank God for this wonderful meeting. It's been a wonderful day, if you agree with me.